Alright, this is the Yeti, I'm Reg Clay. And Norman G. Uh, it feels so good to hear that voice again, Norman G. This is the Yeti, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. We have fantastic guest, Crystal Brown. Hello, hello. Crystal, uh, she was uh, an actress. She uh, starred in The Human Ear, which was a uh, play by Anto- uh, done by Ed Anton's Well at the uh, Berkeley City Club. It's closed now, and I'm sure you'll be doing a bunch of other things. And, um, I've got too much on my plate, actually. <laughs> <laughs> she's a singer. She's an actress. She's a teacher. Um, all sorts of cool stuff. Yeah, yeah so I've been directing this summer. I somehow got roped into that, so yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Great. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. So, Norman, I usually ask you, how was your week? How was your month? Welcome back from Paris. Welcome back from uh, um, from France. France. Yeah, all over Because you're all over France. We did, well, we did, and it's so funny. I still haven't looked at a, at a map. Um, mm-hmm. We were in Paris, and then we went to Nancy, which looks like Nancy, but it's Nancy. <laughs> and... Angers, which looks like Angers. <laughs> yeah. It's um, A-N-G-I-E-R-S, right? A-N-G-E-R-S. Oh, E-R-S. Okay, no, I got it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Nancy has a jousting area. There's a part of town that goes back that far. And when you get off into those regions, you realize this was not. These are places where people lived before this was France. Yeah. And so people are very proud of their little communities, their regions. And, you know, it's just inconceivable for us. Like in 12-something-something, in 12-something, in 12-something, the thing happening here was a bunch of naked people running around having a good time. Isn't it it amazing how when you step away from America, you realize how young America is? Yeah. It was fascinating. We're definitely in our teenage years, I feel like. Yeah, you know, awkward. <laughs> you know, that's what's going on. Pimples. <laughs> that's right, Crystal. You you lived in France for a long I time. I did. When I was sixteen, I basically I begged my parents for like four years if I could study abroad in France because uh-huh. I was obsessed with France. Mm. And uh, yeah, they let me go. <laughs> they said, "Fine, go away for years." So I went with AFS. I lived with a couple of host families. I'm actually still in touch with my host family nice. that's out there. You're um, Latino. I love them. They're very sweet. So, yeah. I I tried to go. I was back there last summer. Nice. But I was on a small island, which I think you should totally check out. It's called Ile Oléron. It looks like Orly Ron, basically, in English. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they've got a big oyster community out there. Uh, So, I spent my time eating oysters. (laughs) Nice. So we had a big we had a big crew of people with our show, and this uh, is the Lucy Berlin story. Lucy Berlin with word for word, mm-hmm. um, young woman who ended up doing like all our backstage and costumes and just way too much. Um, her boyfriend flew over, and so they got a little apartment off by themselves, and they're going back. Oh, wow. they're going nice. back over here, and they're going back, and that's one of the things they're talking about is to get out near the water somewhere. Yes. And I was like, well, my folks used to have a boat, and they would always say, if you ever want to stay on the boat, you can just, you can look it up. Uh, there's a magazine for the West Coast, or for up here anyway, called Latitude 38, and it just has random things. People want you to sit on their boats. Yeah, so I had an experience. I dated this guy, and he arranged for my birthday for us to go on a sailing trip near Very Brittany. Nice. And we basically, like, in exchange for doing the least amount of labor possible, right, right. <laughs> we got to go on this sailing trip with this really sweet old lady. So, cool. Yeah, so they had, there's lots of yeah. opportunities out so there. I, I'm, I'm fantasizing that they're going to go do that, and mm-hmm. they might love it, 
idea. It's like, what would be a great thing to do? So yeah. when we got there, the weather was miserable. Like, in the 50s was the high. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. Um, and it was raining and threatening to rain many days. But the sun would burn out as many times. Mm-hmm. And um, as Mara got ready to come back home, so my wife came with me. And as she got ready to come back home after the end of that first week, mm-hmm. um, Blossoms popped out on all the trees. Oh. Very beautiful, and and then once she was gone, sunshine for almost the rest of the oh. time. Oh, she the sunshine. <laughs> well, and so when we got to Anjay, they were like, "You guys brought the sun." <laughs> right because on. apparently they just had a miserable fall, yeah. um, you know, winter and, and early spring, and yeah, suddenly the sun came out. When we got to Anjay, it was hot. Oh, wow. Mm. And people were like, oh, gosh, we're not ready for this. I bet hot was like 60 degrees. No, 70. 70? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, right. somewhat hot. Right, right, right. Oh, yeah, I'm from no, Texas. That's not hot. No, I know. I know. And apparently, Paris in the middle of uh, the summer, supposedly, is pretty miserable. Yeah, I hear that like, I think climate change is really affecting that region right. very well. I've heard stories. Oh, interesting. Oh, yeah. Sure the, yeah. The rivers, uh, flooded. Yeah, and it's been getting hotter and hotter every summer. And, yeah. Oh, interesting. What a shame. I was going to ask you, of course, I want to know about how the, Lisa, the Lucia Berlin stories, how it went over. How were you treated as an American? Did, were you treated differently? That's probably the number one question people have been asking me. And, <laughs> um, I was treated fine. Um it's so weird, and I kept making the joke almost daily. I would make the joke, this just looks like Oakland. I mean, mm. you know, the people. Yeah. Um, the mix of people was incredible. You yeah. know, the style of dress, um, the way people interacted, the number of black folk. Yeah. Because um, that was the big thing I got to do personally was I took the Richard Wright walk. Nice. Uh, oh. There was an hour-long uh, tour, walking tour. Mm-hmm. And I got to walk. I got to see the first place, the buildings. I yeah. didn't go in, but... I got to see the first place he stayed. I got to see the place that Gertrude Stein set up for him. I got to see the place where he brought his family when they lived there. The place where he had the signing for White Man Listen. Nice. Um, The cafes. And it's so funny because I don't know how much of the reading you've done. I've done a lot of this Richard Wright reading Mm -hmm. um, about Richard Wright. Yeah. And different biographers, and I realize this is true of all history, mm-hmm. um, whatever your source is, that's what you say. And yeah. you say it with this confidence, like, this happened. And so there's a big debate about where this fight happened between Richard Wright and James Baldwin. Yes, that's right. But I've read enough sources that I really believe that the Dumago was the, mm-hmm. the um, cafe where they spent a lot of time. Mm-hmm. That's where Baldwin came. Mm-hmm. By many accounts, that's where Baldwin came when he first arrived with $24 in his pocket. Mm-hmm. We talk about this, and uh, it was mentioned in the Richard Salaveras right. um, play, Before the Dream, and I talk about it in my play, mm-hmm. A Foreman in Paris. But when they actually, and that's where he meets the editor. Yes. Um, Richard Wright is sitting there with this editor of this magazine, and he says, you know, he blows up James Baldwin. He's so good, you guys should hire him. And they do. They hire him, and he writes a piece called Everybody's Protest Novel, mm-hmm. which basically uses Native Son as, a as an example yeah. of what is wrong with the protest right, novel. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Which Richard Wright gets pissed about, so they have a fight across the street at the Brasserie Lip. Like mm-hmm. a fist fight? Like a physical? Well, yeah, no, that's what it says. They're on the street yelling. No, they're yeah. wow. standing on the street yelling. People, lots of people were there. Lots of people have written about it. <laughs> yes. Wow. Um, but different writers will say, oh, it happened at the Dumago. Different mm-hmm. biographers. It's like, mm, you 
need to find out for sure. Yeah. So I got to go to all those places. What I didn't know is across the street from the Dumago is one of the oldest uh, cathedrals in Paris. Nice. So I'm, I'm like, what is that old church? That's a weird-looking Jesus. What the <laughs> heck is that? <clears throat> and then I go over and I read the sign. Well, I, there must have been a sign in English. I have so many pictures of signs in English. <laughs> Like, I, I, I can help you out. Just <laughs> so I can it's pretty, yeah. But yeah, we, we biked all over town. Wow. So when Mara was there, um, we got leather jackets. Nice. Yeah. We got scammed for leather jackets. Oh, did you buy something off the street from someone? So <laughs> it was another cathedral. Mara could care less about churches. It was another cathedral. I was taking a picture of it, and suddenly Mara's like, this guy wants to talk to you. <laughs> And I'm like, okay, if the roles were reversed, there's no way I'd be calling you or saying, honey, this strange man is mm-hmm. who is being way too solicitous <laughs> and wants to talk to you. I would not, yeah. I wouldn't do that. So I didn't, so I assumed that whatever was going on, she was handling it. I go over, we start talking. I'm from Italy, uh, blah, 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 blah. I'm a, um, I'm a, not a seller, but a, he shows off clothes for mm-hmm. some line and blah, blah, blah. And he's got a pile of these bags in his seat next mm-hmm. to him. Yeah. And he says, I saw your husband, and I knew his size. Try this. And yeah. he throws it, 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 like, it is like Oakland. <laughs> and he gives us the two. He finds one for her. <laughs> yeah. And he gives us the two. Like, hands them to us. I'm getting ready to drive back. I don't need these. Blah, 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 blah. And so I've got them in my hand. Like, literally, I've got them in my hand. Yeah. And he says, the only thing is, I, I need gas. To, to of course. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I look at him, and I'm like, I'm not letting go of these. I'm like, i got them in my hand. I'm just, if you want them back, you got to ask for them. Because you gave them to me. Mm-hmm. And I said, I don't have any money. <laughs> and Mara got all embarrassed. Oh. So she pulls out her wallet. She mm-hmm. gives him 20 euro. Now, these are leather jackets. I mean, that's... They're leather jackets. I'm thinking that maybe they're shells or whatever. Yeah. And she says, when I pull them out of the back, she's like, don't do that. Yeah. Because, you know, if they're stolen, whatever. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so we cram them into the bike. Yeah. The bikes, we use the city bikes. It's called the lead. Yeah. And we use the city bikes, and they have a basket. So we cram them into the basket. We go through the rest of our day. She keeps fussing. She's almost in tears. Oh, oh wow. We were going to a big dinner that night. Uh, one of the hosts was um, treating us to a big dinner. So we go there with this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I say, I just want to get everybody's opinion. So we finally pull the jackets out and get a good look at them. Her jacket fits her well. It looks good. My jacket is a little Michael Jackson. There's a little bit <laughs> much going on with the snaps and the epilepsy. Oh, boy. But it's still very it's nice. Yeah. It's still very nice. They seem like they're very, and it does. It fits me perfectly. Hers mm-hmm. fits her perfectly. For 20 euros, that's not bad. That really isn't. And everybody at the party is like, oh, my God, you guys totally scored. And then she finally relaxed. <laughs> so that, that would be a snapshot of what our days were like. Uh-huh. We would get lost. Yeah. And it was like, oh, well, I thought we were supposed to go to work. Oh, that's the Eiffel Tower. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's the <laughs> Oh, we rolled on bikes into the courtyard of the Louvre. Yeah. 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 It's, it's and there was beautiful. a band playing. Yeah. Nice. That's a great oh, city. beautiful. So how was Lucy Berlin? The show went well? The show went well. Um, I, it's funny. I'm trained by Bay Area Theater. You know, you get four weeks and... 
sometimes you really want the show to go on forever and ever and ever, and yeah. sometimes you're like, okay, I, I'm really, you know, keeping focus. Yeah, I've yeah, been there before. Yeah. It's like, okay. So we got out, two yeah. weeks off, and then we went, yeah. and then we did the show in Paris, which, of course, was a big deal. Mm-hmm. One night in Paris, so we were all very nervous about it, and we had to reconfigure the show. The space was way tinier, tighter than mm-hmm. we were used to. So we go through all that process. Um, it felt good. And then we went to our next venue, and that was the other thing. I haven't. I used to do school tours. I know what it is to take a show and squeeze it into a new venue and decide on the fly, don't do that part, be careful about this, yeah. we're going to do this instead. I'm used to that, but I just mentally wasn't quite ready for it. And we got into the space, and everybody suddenly had opinions, and <laughs> we were able to work it all out, but it was just very stressful. Mm-hmm. Like the first town... I did not get to enjoy the town as much as I would like to yeah. mm-hmm. um, because of that. And then we went back to Paris, and then we went to Angers. We have a little more time in Angers. Angers loves us. It's apparently one of the first towns that worked for, I think it is, for the first tour. They've been doing this tour for over 20 years, 22 wow. years, I think they said. Um, Angers was one of the first towns they went to. Mm-hmm. It's a wine region. It's an old, you know, it's a part of, of France that predates France. Um the people were fantastic. They were so wonderful to mm. us. Stayed up in this beautiful house up on the third floor, this very windy staircase. Um, but gorgeous. Looking out the window and just feeling like, uh, what is it, like Ratatouille. Yeah. Nice. Right up the street from another giant <laughs> church from who knows when. <laughs> it sounds wonderful. So was it the cast from... France, or were you all from We all area? went from, so all of us, but uh, there, were, there was a young woman, uh, India, who... India Wilmot? Yeah, India Wilmot had yeah. been in the Bay, and um, Ryan French, William, Ryan Williams, Ryan Williams French. Why are Williams French? <laughs> I can't remember. Um, but Ryan um, had been at ACT and then did some work here, and now he's in L.A. Mm-hmm. So they both came in to do the show yeah. in San Francisco. And Cassidy Brown, right? Went. Cassidy Brown, who might be in Scotland right now. Okay. Doing another show or just no, hanging uh, out just in Scotland? Figured, you know, I got a, basically a free trip to Europe, so That's I should amazing. take advantage of it. That's yeah. Right. That's so wonderful. And who, so was, who produced the show? Who was word for word. Word for word. Word for word. Great company. They are, this is their 25th anniversary season. Wow. Um, they do readings of stories. Um, it's funny because it, that means I've been with Word for Word since shortly after they formed. Oh, wow. And I'm like, okay, I didn't know that. <laughs> so I'm a little... Where's the time gone? Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a long time. Well, like, before we, got on, before we came upstairs and got on mic, we were talking to Craig, mm-hmm. Craig Dickerson. And yeah, known him since like '89. I'm convinced that time actually speeds up the older you get. Like yeah, I think well, a year becomes shortened. My dad, my dad always says, after you turn 30, the years. It, go just like I that. feel that. Like I turned 35 years ago. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. And um, wow, you're 40 years old. I would I, never. I would no, never. 35. 35. <laughs> <laughs> So of course you don't look because you're not it. Okay, never mind. No, you look but great. I feel I'm like, whoa, five years because I've been in the Bay Area four years. Yes. It's just it's crazy how fast things have just gone, and I'm like, where did the time go? Yeah, I, I yeah. hope they get fuller. I because mm-hmm. that's I have a plan on them. <laughs> if not, I am staging a protest, and I refuse to die. <laughs> I, 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 
<laughs> there's one there's wonderful thing about theater. I think it just keeps you young. I mean, it, does. it just there, there's a fantastic thing about it. Well, while you were in paradise, mm-hmm. welcome back to the hell, which is the United States of America under Trump. <laughs> oh God! Many things. Here's another statement you probably never would have thought you'd say before last week. Sure. Thank God for Giuliani. Uh, that's right. That's You know what's beautiful is like all their ineptitude is just really just seeping out of them. Right. And it's just like yeah. we all knew it, yeah. but now maybe they get to know it. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how they see it. I remember saying, give them enough rope to hang them with. Exactly. They keep exactly. They keep and they keep doing it. It's amazing. I feel like every time I, I've actually stopped wa- looking at the news or reading the news because I feel like every time I do, I'm on some weird planet <laughs> and it's just the same crap yeah. every time. And so I'm just yeah. like, okay, well, yeah. oh, well the world hasn't it. ended yet. I didn't see it almost any while I was gone, but since I've come back, I'm in love with um, Colbert. Yes. Colbert. And um, and uh, Trevor Noah. That's and right. John Oliver. Oh, he's he's a good one. John Oliver. But yeah. John Oliver's bits are just a little longer. Uh, so when I get in one, I always love it. But yeah. I'm more hesitant. But yeah, the stuff, you know, with this whole, what's her name, Michelle? The comedian. Oh, Wolf. She's awesome. Wolf, yeah. yeah. And, 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 you know, and I love the critique of it. Oh, she bombed, she bombed, she bombed. Yeah, she well, and everybody who <laughs> says she bombed mm-hmm. has to admit that that's the general consensus of almost every comedian since they have started putting sure. this thing on TV. Yeah. Because apparently when it, when it was a private affair, mm-hmm. it was very cool to sit there and get these deep burns in on people. Mm. But when you're doing it in front of a camera, it just looks mean. Well, it's a roast. I mean, essentially, it's a roast yeah, that's happening for the president. And I, I kind of like it as a tradition. Like, I think our leaders should have a formalized service where they get burnt. Like, well, that should happen. Yeah. Well, I was, uh, there's a podcast I listen to, John Dickerson. Uh-huh. Uh, so if anyone who's listening to this podcast, listen to theirs. And he talks about the history of the roast and how it's important for presidents to be self-depreciating yeah. about themselves. You know, if you can't make fun of yourself... Right. It, it, he talks about how psychologically that could be a danger because it's almost like you you live in a um, what do you call it a, a banana republic. You right? end up like Kanye West. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Kanye. West, I mean, there's some of the some <laughs> black issues. There's Kanye West. There's Meek Mill. There's um, what's Meek Mill? What? So Meek Mill, he's a uh, a rapper who was arrested. See, this happened a couple of weeks ago. And okay. I'm bringing it up because you haven't been around. Yeah. He was a rapper who was arrested in Philadelphia. There's been so much Philadelphia stories. Oh God, so you know, we haven't even talked about the Starbucks guy who got oh two Starbucks guy who got arrested. Did you hear about that? I mean, yeah. that was international. Yeah. But Meek Mill, he's a rapper, and he got busted uh, a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Based on a cop saying that I think he uh, was. Oh, right, the weapon. Right. Yeah, the weapons or whatever. It turns out, and this happened just recently, this, the, uh, the courts in Philadelphia says that cop is corrupt. Wow. And he was framed. Meek Mill was right. framed. Robert Kraft, who is an ultra conservative, the owner of the New England Patriots, right. he even flew out to greet Meek Mill. And to bail him out of jail. Wow. wow. And he and it's big because the Philadelphia 76 is there and the playoffs. Right. And it looks like they may be the ones to dethrone LeBron James for okay. the East. That's how big they are. Wow. And Nick Mill came to the to the game. Uh-huh. So you have that. You have uh, I talk about well, there's Cosby. 
notion I have to stick by my man right. I mean I've been on Facebook and I have older friends black women who yeah. are like well no you know Bill's done so much and he's given so much and yeah. it's just how do you well, feel about that question of loyalty yeah. yeah you know I think I think it's interesting because I feel like in all honesty I feel like there's a lot of traditions we hold in our culture that mm-hmm. come from slavery and come yeah. from out of survival right. and they served us then but they don't necessarily serve us now Exactly. And so I think that, you know, as a woman, I cannot imagine myself staying with someone who is that disrespectful, not only to right. me, but also to women, to our daughters, to, right. I just don't understand that as a concept. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. like, I mean, if I was Camille, the only reason I would be in there would be because I'd be for money. Like, right. that would be the only right. reason. And right. even then right. I'd be like, I want to be like Warren Buffett's wife, how she like. You know, had, she had a whole separate life, and he continued his life, but they never... Oh, no, no, no. no. So Warren Buffett, he, like, had two women in his life, and, like, oh. he had one wife. Certainly fourth now. But yeah. they never, like, divorced. Okay. And so she just went off and did her thing and lived off of his salary. Right. And then he had his whole life... I mean, he never raped women, but right. he had his yeah. whole life with this other woman. Yeah. So I'm just thinking, like... That, I mean, why else be married to him? I mean, they right. can't. What else is there? Yeah. Well, I, you know, to to give her some rationale. I can't say reason. Um, <laughs> you know, if you've helped build this career, because one of the most famous things I remember her for is she apparently said to, as he was just blowing up, she said to him, "What if you woke up tomorrow and you weren't black?" And his comedy took a t- different turn oh, wow. at that point because he realized, right, right. You know, it was because this is like during the big civil rights era, mm-hmm. having that comedian show up about the, yeah. the unspeakable was yeah. great. Yeah. But <clears throat> what if everything got settled tomorrow? What would happen to your career? Oh, wow. And I think that's when the era when you get why is there error and things like that. You know, it's like, yeah. like all America just yeah. goes, oh, yeah, that's funny. And isn't that interesting, interesting, the whole history between him and also um, Richard Pryor? Because oh, yeah, in, they, in, in the late 60s, oh. they sort of had that crossroads. Where's my, where, where am I going with all this? Yeah. Right. You know, he had the death of Lenny Bruce. Right. Who was like, hey, I'm going to use comedy to point to truth to right. power. Yeah. Right. 
Cosby, of course, went to, hey, let's talk about family and let's right. talk about the fun stuff. Right. Yeah. You know, and Pryor was like, no, I'm going to hit it right. you know, hard. Yeah, interesting. Well, Pryor, Pryor kind of lost his mind and then mm-hmm. regained and, yeah. and, and went there. Yeah. Dick Gregory is the one who That's at the right. time was coming up with Cosby, and Dick Gregory totally went civil rights. Yep. Oh, interesting. And then yeah. beyond. Yeah. Well, I also think the catalyst was the death of uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Oh, Everything oh, sort right. of changed with that, right. especially music. There's wonderful, there's a history of rock and roll, and it talks about how you had this cohesive, you know, even with uh, like Stax and Aretha Franklin and Fame oh. Records oh. and the wonderful co- coalition they had with white musicians sure. who are hip and whatever. All of a sudden, the death of King, there was like... It changed everything. That it changed everything. Wow, that's fascinating. And Motown. Yeah. Marvin Gaye was like, hell with baby, baby, baby. Yeah. I want to sing about something real. Oh, wow. Right. What's going on and, and what have you. Right, mercy, mercy. Yeah. And the same thing with uh, Stevie Wonder. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It really hit them in real, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And then we have the race summit. Have you heard about this? What is this? Trump wants to have a race oh, summit. Oh, God. This man. Is Kanye going? Yes. <laughs> There's Colin Kaepernick. You didn't hear about this. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, I, this hit yesterday. I feel like my head is literally going to explode. And you heard about the Kanye comments, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Wait, not Kanye. I'm sorry, you just can't. I think he might actually have a mental illness, though. I don't want to speculate. There's something psychological But, like, I think that he's not 100% emotionally stable. I read read an interesting article. This is the death of his mother. Yes. They talked about in 2007, his mother died. His mother uh, had a, what do they call it, where you uh, have the um, liposuction surgery. There were complications. I think she got blood clots, and she died. Mm -hmm. And... The article talks about him never being the same. I think two months after that, he had this uh, the tiff with uh, T- Taylor Swift where he went on stage oh, oh, and right. said, sorry, y'all, but Beyonce deserves this award. So and I, he started acting out. Go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I remember no, no. When, he, when that happened because I also remember he went right back to work like a right. week later. Right. And I was thinking at the time, this is not healthy. He needs to properly like take mm-hmm. some time. And uh-huh. he was like, no, I'm going to you know, go out there. And I'm like... That how you just lost the most important person in your life. Like, right. you need to chill, dude. <laughs> yeah, and I think he's been acting out ever since. Have they set a date for this? This no, time? no. This is really, really. This is, I mean, this is fresh, 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 fresh new. Okay. Wait, is wow. this Twitter announced? Is this? Oh. <laughs> is this like an actual? This is, a lawyer. this is like a lawyer. I think that the lawyers of Trump are trying to say, hey, let's get everyone to stop thinking about Stormy Daniels and let's right. get them focused on something and. Let's try to get the black people. Are we not going to include the corner. Mexicans in this, or are they just rapists? Should we not include them? He's still shipping them. There's still ice raids going on. Mass you know. shootings all over the place. He can't say nothing about it, but suddenly there's a little tip with Kanye. I agree with this. Oh, you know what? There, there was a black, there's a black minister who sort of set this whole thing up. Okay. Um, I say go for it. Yeah. I just don't, I don't want to give Trump the photo op, you know, for him to say, no matter what happens, he's going to say, hey, I did this. And it doesn't excuse the fact that he's been entirely racist to our Latino brothers right. and sisters. That's so right. I'm like, right. no. Not just to him. Everyone. everyone. <laughs> right. So, and it's, I was talking to somebody recently, and we got into a conversation. I said, I'm actually trying to avoid 
the word race, race, racist, racism, mm -hmm. uh, because people get so stuck on it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's the only thing with this Cosby thing that makes even a little bit of sense to me as a general sort of idea. Um, when you're talking, because there was a beautiful article that basically said, white folks, what can you say about this? And what <laughs> can't you say? Mm -hmm. And, you know, number one, it was listen. Number two, it was make sure that you're staying appropriate to the conversation and watch out for your biases being reflected in what you're saying. Mm -hmm. I think as this conversation blows open more, those are going to be important things to point out to people that maybe you shouldn't be in the conversation. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I mean, or there's not that you can't be in it, but that you need to recognize that there are whole all kinds of filters that are just part of our cultural makeup that you may be speaking from that you may not be intending to speak from. Yeah. I agree to that. I think that. I mean, I think everyone should be a part of the conversation because I don't think we'll ever have any proper sort of healing or understanding or agreement if we don't allow people to participate. Right. But I do agree with you that I think our culture. American culture as a whole lacks self-reflection mm -hmm. and the ability to say, like, oh, just because we're doing one thing one way, it doesn't mean that's the only way to right. do it. And right. so I think it, I think I agree with you that biases yeah. and cognitive biases, those are implicit biases. Right. Mm -hmm. right. Those are things that we should probably. So, right, the attack on Cosby is an attack on a successful black man. Mm -hmm. There's no denying that is that. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> and right and then if we say you know can a successful black man do something heinous? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because, <laughs> because he's. I mean. Yeah. Well, same I mean, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I, I always go to the analogy of the Canterbury Tales and mm -hmm. with Geoffrey Chaucer and there's a passage where people can buy pardons. Let me buy a pardon so that I can still be I don't know um, forgiven by the Pope right. or whatever. And I look at it as you know. I'm not going to forgive Bill Cosby, you know, for Cosby to say, well, let me give thousands of dollars to a charity or this or that or, or whatever. Or let yeah. Me, yeah, millions or whatever. And now that'll allow me to, you know, have sex or whatever. I mean, I'm right. sure he, that's, a, that's a ploy that he used to get these women. Yes. Like Andrew yeah. Constant. Yeah. Oh, yeah. right. It's like, oh, well, of course you can trust me. Look at what I've done. But it's not. Yeah. It's sinister. It's sinister. It is. It it's is. really sinister. When you were talking about race. So there's a um, there was a draft pick, a quarterback. I forget who his name is. Uh, there was the NFL draft that happened, right. and someone looked into this. I think he was a first round draft pick, and I guess when he was 16 or 17, he had had an Instagram thing where he used the word nigger. Okay. But it was sort of like um, nigger wants to think that I'm you yeah. know something or whatever. Right. And you know, of course, people wanted to blow it up, and they wanted to reduce his draft pick to like the second round or third round right. to say that he's a racist. Yeah. And I looked at him, I was like, no, he's not a racist. He's basically a young kid yeah. who he identified with his culture. Exactly, exactly. Wants to be a wannabe Eminem or whatever, and I don't right. have a problem with that. It's different from, let's say, a white person who is, I always use the term white, I mean, this is probably inappropriate, whitey mentality. <laughs> it's, okay. it's okay to be white, but it's not okay to be whitey. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can't have a mentality of entitlement yes. right, where I can call you whatever to put you down. Right. I mean, there's intent. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Malicious intent behind Malicious that. Malicious intent yeah. behind that. Oh, gosh. You're, you're reminding me. It's so funny because yeah. this subject will go on and on. Sure. The museum I yes. want to bring up just yeah. because that has created 
the conversation, which it was intended to do. Yeah. Let's talk about lynching, you know? Right. Oh, 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 that's yes. Yes. <gasps> That's exactly so right. So powerful. Oh, my God. Oh, it's Tennessee, right? Is it Memphis? Oh, no, it's it's Alabama. Alabama. Georgia. Alabama. Alabama. I think it's in Alabama. I feel like it's, it's in Alabama. Alabama. Yeah, I think it's in Alabama. Um, it's um, so yeah, they, And what he's doing is connecting it to the mass incarceration. Oh, wow. I'm like, dude, I love you. And the, un, the discomfort that people are expressing with all this. I'm like, that discomfort Montgomery, is Alabama. the point. Is it Montgomery, it Alabama? is the point. And it's like, it's that healing that needs to really happen that that it's the healing within our psyches that actually needs to happen, right? That's like exactly the healing, right. white people need to heal from all those horrible things that yeah. they did. Black people need to heal from all the horrible things that were done to us. Yeah. And then we can heal everybody. Right. <laughs> and those who want to be healed. Um, oh, and this one is not timely, mm-hmm. but, um, but it represents a mentality that's out there that is very scary. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, when you want to talk about that, it's the same mentality that says, well, you know, uh, more blacks kill blacks than cops kill blacks. Oh, for God's sake. It sounds like logic. Yeah. It's not. <laughs> so there is a famous book, and I want to put this out there because I think people should know, mm-hmm. a famous book called Time on the Cross. Mm-hmm. And it was using statistical analysis, economic analysis mm-hmm. of what it was to be slaves from an economic perspective. Yeah. Like one of the statements that the thing says is that they were better fed and housed than poor people were at the time. Uh, There's all kinds of stuff like this. Well, they use this analysis, so this has actually affected Mm -hmm. um, economics and statistics. It is cited to this day. Mm -hmm. Um, It's also been refuted like crazy because what's great about what they've done, Mm -hmm. it's sort of like, um, and I always think about this in astronomy, is it, um, I think it's Copernicus, Mm -hmm. one of the major astronomers, was the one who actually mapped our solar system. Yeah. Like, precise. He's the one who gives us retrograde motion. Yeah. Yeah. Because his understanding of the universe was that the Earth was at the center of the universe, and therefore when Mars goes backwards, that's retrograde motion. Mm. Well, you know, once we find out that the sun is actually at the center of our solar system, and when planets pass each other, Mm -hmm. it makes it look like they go backwards, so this whole rationale, there's a whole logic system that he came up with to explain this, but he was wrong. That's exactly what this book does, and it is known for it. Mm-hmm. I got into a big conversation with a white guy saying, well, you guys just don't know about this. I mean, the fact is, the slaves, oh, I mean, God. slaves were, they were how can, how, can it, how can he just say that in your face? But also, how does well, it justify this book? But how does it justify owning somebody? Like, that's what pisses me off about this conversation. It's like, or like, just yeah, you know, yeah. it's like when people bring up statistics like that, it's like, regardless, you still owned someone. You still used a system mm-hmm. of violence to keep someone in a place. You raped people. You hurt people. That's right. So to well, me, what? like, I don't care. I don't care if you think, if you want to tell me that slaves were eating cake every day. They were still slaves. Right. And right. that's not okay. And what happens is it's a justification for, like, um, factory life, the sort of the, the hierarchy of capitalism. Yeah. And what you're saying in that point, in that case is, well, when a supervisor rapes a, 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 a floor worker, well, she that's, that's, totally that's bad, and yeah. he should be punished. But the system, you're saying the system is wrong. The system's not wrong. Now, so when, you, when, you talk, when you talk about the economy, so there's a book that I have, The Reader's Companion to the American Presidency, because I'm into all, okay. I'm, into, I'm into the history, American history. Um, and it talks about the economy as well, but in a different way. 
cotton. I mean, from right. 1820, I want to say, when Eli wouldn't even been at the cotton gin, up to 1860, right. the American economy was pr- was propelled by cotton. Right. And that's when you talk about slavery and the economy of slavery, you're talking about rich white folks who live in the plantations who's not working. They're basically getting uh, uh, an economy, a, a um, their 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 money. From free labor. Not just that. Globally. Yeah. Yeah. Because no, um, you know what today is? What's today? Come on, y'all. So, I'm sorry. Cinco de Mayo. Oh, Cinco de Mayo. You know what Cinco de Mayo was about? Americans always think it's about, about beer. beer. It's, it's not about tequila. <laughs> tequila. Budweiser. <laughs> no, no, no. It has nothing to do with Mexico. <laughs> no, so what it was is that they won a war yeah. against France. And the reason that France did that was to get a foothold in Mexico on this continent to help supply the South during the Civil War. Oh, wow. What? Yes. See, that's why I'm having a little orangey. Oh, my goodness. I, well, I, just, I just learned that one. Yeah. Because uh, Cinco de Mayo always pisses me off. And, and like a lot of people, it's like, you guys don't understand. They don't, there's this one Puebla. The city in Mexico celebrates mm-hmm. it because that's where the battle was. Yeah. Oh, wow. to celebrate it. Um, <laughs> Mexicans don't know or care about this because it wasn't that important. It would be like us celebrating, you know, the, the Battle of New Orleans. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. No one cares. Yeah. But and did, like, Budweiser take it over or something? Or sure, or they, like, sure. made it a national holiday. Yeah. yeah. But when we talk about the economy and slavery, oh, you know, slaves, they're okay. No, let's talk about the economy right. of the white folks who didn't want to work, right. who wanted to maintain their slaves, which... Right also uh, empowered them. And also there was a, a an election. So basically, you know how we talk about the electoral votes. Mm-hmm. I know I'm getting very wonky here. But <laughs> the black man um, back in the day and the black woman, you know, black people were three-fifths right. of a man. So when a territory became a state, right. they could count the slaves that they owned right. as part of the population. Yes. And that meant electoral votes, which meant how many senators and members of the House of Representatives could put into... And, of course, they were Democrats. And back in the day, Democrats were racist whites. The the antebellum Southern Democrats. The age of Jackson. Yes. Yes. So when we talk about the economy, let's be honest about it. Right. That's what it was all about. Right. And the impressment of slaves keeping the black man and woman down enriched the white man and enriched the Democrat Party. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. what slavery was all about. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Enough of that. Are we going to talk about theater now? <laughs> Let's talk about theater. Let's get into a origin story. I said I should have thought about theater. So... I was born in Texas, and you're from Texas, too. I'm from Dallas. What, what? Yeah. All right. Oh, my God. So how did, you, how did you get involved in theater? How did, uh, when, did, did you, were you a I little came, girl who wanted to? Yeah, I came about it totally backwards, I yeah. guess. I mean, I, I grew up singing. That was my thing. My mom oh, used okay. to say, like, if I wasn't singing, she knew I was sick. So <laughs> that was my life. And I was always in choirs, and, and I think I had my first real show when I was 15, Wow. I did a show at Dallas Child- with Dallas Children's Theater. I tried out, didn't know what it was about, and got, like, the main role. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I guess I'll do this. Um, uh-huh. And then I tried all throughout college, but, like, it was always still singing. And I didn't really get into theater until I went back to school. So I 
had been living in Austria. I'd been working as a singer, and I'd also been working as an English teacher, mm-hmm. trying to make ends meet. And now, when you say singing, is this opera? Uh, so no. Okay. <laughs> so I, I trained in classical voice, but then I, uh, when I went back, or I trained in classical voice, I studied abroad in Austria for a semester. Mm-hmm. And I made a lot of friends in sort of like the electronica, music, that kind of thing. And so when I graduated from school, I wanted to go back to Austria and Olympus. I was telling you about this sort of fantasy I'd had of always being this black artist in Europe. Nice. Nice. Um, And so I did that. And Uh I worked with... uh, That's what Tina Turner's doing. Is she? She's (laughs) awesome. Yeah. Uh, in Sweden, Donna Summers. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Donna Summers. When she died, she was like, I think they considered her the godmother of France or something. Like, when she died, it was a huge deal. Yeah. 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 Uh, So, yeah. So, I I was in Austria for about two and a half years, and the entire time I was there, my mom was complaining about me being abroad and was like, when are you coming home? Yeah. And um, so finally I decided, okay, I should probably come back to America. My dad was sick at the time. Mm -hmm. But I said, oh, wait, if I go back to America, I should have a degree in something. (laughs) Because otherwise it just looks like I've just been, like, enjoying life and singing, which I have been. So um, I had been always interested in theater. Mm -hmm. Um, I tried to do it in college, but it always conflicted with choir for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And so um, I started looking into theater schools. um, And I actually started looking into schools in England. Yeah. Because (laughs) I was like, why not? And you can, uh, fun fact, you can use your Stafford loans, whatever Uh you use for grad school. They actually apply easily over into UK schools. Very nice. So so I did that, and I actually ended up going to Royal. At the time, it was just Central School of Speech and Drama. Uh It's now Royal Central School of Speech and Drama. Um, So in London. And so I was in the uh, music theater program out there for a year. I did a master's program mm-hmm. and it was amazing and mm-hmm. it just kind of really jump kicked it was it's funny because i've always been an actress mm-hmm. but i never identified myself as an actor like they mm-hmm. were always for me no offense uh-huh. <laughs> actors were always like they, i don't know they're always just weird like they're always just doing sure. weird things sure. and i was sure. just like i don't identify yeah. and they were always talking about theater and i was like i have no idea what you're talking about but i'm happy you're happy so <laughs> i just i was just like leave me alone i'm singing no. so um so then i started uh that just really kind of jump kicked everything for mm-hmm. me because it showed me like oh actually i've been doing this forever yeah and um i mean seeing you act and it was kind of um kind of like a, it was a conservatory so we went through all we expanded upon the basics, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that, that, like, like techniques, that. like beats and um, and motivation. I mean, did you get into Stanislavski at all? So it's funny, like beats and things like that, motivation. I already had that because of singing. Because okay. when you're, you know, when you're studying arias, you have to have a motivation. You have to. There's a phrasing in the music. There's a mm-hmm. musicality and like just the words and all of that. So sure. that was all very natural for me. Okay. Uh, what. We, we didn't really, my teacher was a Meisner guy, so we did more Meisner, mm-hmm. but it wasn't, it was interesting. I, it was never really approached to me as, this is the technique that we're using right now. It was mm-hmm. more like, here's, here's your scene, or here's your, what we're looking at, and these are all the various techniques that you can use mm-hmm. to get whatever it is you need to get to. So from that perspective, it was really great. Mm-hmm. And that was like, I mean, we had like a... Uh, I don't know how the program is now. I'm sure it changes every year. But we had a very sort of in-depth, like, uh, actors, like, 
training and movement training. And so I would say that while I was there, the courses that really affected me the most were my movement Mm -hmm. because it really, it opened the way I participated in this space. And Mm -hmm. even just like, you know, coming onto the stage or coming into an empty room. Yeah that there's just so much vibrancy in that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that changed me a lot. And then voice was was funny because I thought voice was singing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it was like we had singing and voice, so that was interesting for me to see voice in a new way as well. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm sure you had the articulation, you know, down. Right. Like I know when I had voice training, we talked about resonators right. and articulators. Yeah. So I'm sure that sounds familiar it to you. It was all, yeah, it was, it's funny. It's crazy how much, of, like, just classical voice prepared me for that because yeah. that's all classical voice is. Yes. It's like... Put it in your head. We're not, you know, right. mm-hmm. learning to sing in different languages. You have to be as mm-hmm. sound as native as possible. Right. So, sure. um, but yeah, so that was really cool. And then uh, throughout the year, we did new works. We did workshops with up and coming writers or mm-hmm. established writers. Mm-hmm. We had a really awesome man. He's since passed. He um, his name was Stephen Clark, and he like I love him. He he was really great. He wrote the book for Zorro the musical which for some reason has never made it to America I do not understand why it is such a great musical but he's written a lot of other things he studied with Stephen Sondheim maybe I don't know it should it's like amazing it's engaging and Mm -hmm. I mean Zorro my gosh and it has the music of uh, the Gypsy Kings so it's like yeah it's really cool um but he, you know, he, he was really encouraging, and he came and directed works with us that we, like, also devised. So mm-hmm. it was really, for me, it was a really great experience. When you went to school, were you one of the few Americans there? Were there a lot of Americans there? Um, I think the school, my particular class, there were only three of us. Okay. The school itself has one of the largest. So what's really cool about Royal Central School of Speech and Drama, and if anyone's interested in theater and expanding, They have so many different programs available, Mm -hmm. ranging from movement studies all the way to drama therapy to drama education. I mean, it's really just big. And so, um, what was the question? (laughs) (laughs) No, you asked the question. I tend to do that a lot, guys. No, 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 that's fine. Um, I, I, I love the stream of consciousness, you know. It's like, but you know, you didn't feel like a foreigner there. I so didn't. There are a lot of there are a lot of people. I met a lot of people from Israel, a lot of people from Greece. Nice. A really good friend from the Netherlands. I mean, there are a lot of English people there, yeah. <laughs> which is great. And I sure. do think that in our class. I mean, this just happens, you know, the foreigners kind of tend to band together mm-hmm. and the natives. Um, but, like, they're, I mean, my best friends are from Brazil. I still count them as best friends. Brazil, yeah. Bolivia, Greece. So mm-hmm. I, re- I really feel like Taiwan. Yeah. I have a friend actually coming. Um, his name is, I'm going to give a shout-out, Paul Chang Tsai. Uh-huh. He's going to be in the Taiwanese Festival at the end of May at uh-huh. the Fine Arts Plaza. We'll plug it. We'll plug yeah, it. so he's doing a show called Solo Date. Yeah. Uh, it's like the last week of May, and it runs into the beginning yeah. of June. And so Fine Arts we'll, Plaza. we'll have a link so that Please. people can uh, see super it. super cool. So what brought you to the Bay? Um, funny story. Well, that was a bit weird. So I actually, the first, it's weird. I'd never thought about living in San Francisco, believe it or not. It just never really mm-hmm. was on my radar. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my dad had passed away. And I had been in 
LA and I had texted a friend who lives here. Right. And um, I had texted him a while ago and he never responded. And so I was like, whatever. Well, he actually responded to my text like an hour after my dad had passed. And mm. so he, we'd been really good friends. He, you know, we'd known each other for over 10 years. And so he, we talked and he was like, you know, if you need anything, I'm here for you. Uh-huh. And I had to go to LA to pick up my stuff. And I was like, Michael, I'm coming out to see you because I've never been to the city and uh-huh. I need to see you. And, and I came out for a week and I was like, okay, I'm going to move here. This uh-huh. is awesome. <laughs> I was like, this is, this is my city. Like, this is yeah. where I'm going to move. Now, what brought you to L.A.? Because I thought that maybe coming from Europe, this would have been your first stop or maybe Texas or, you know. So, yeah, no, I, I mean, I went to L.A. because I wanted to do acting. And, I, and honestly, I haven't given up the idea of still going to L.A. It was sure. just when I went, it was a really hard time for me. Sure. Um, you know, with my father being ill and then, and it was just, things weren't really clicking. But I went down there because I wanted to act. And, yeah. and I do, I mean, I like, I, I, L.A. is like, I feel like it's a circus. Like, you know, like it's... The culture is very different. different. We talked about the culture. The timing timing has to be right. Yeah. Yeah. The timing has to be right for you. Um, I was talking about a local production recently and saying, I can't work and I couldn't work with those people. And I don't know if they use equity. And it's okay with me if they don't use equity because I think they're asking you to do things that the typical equity contract would not allow. Yeah, I could see that. And I'm like, yeah. And I saw the show... And I was uncomfortable. And I'm like, how can you make a show where your audience sits there? And I don't mean emotionally uncomfortable. I mean physically. It was cold. It was an outdoor show. And it was just cold. And we kept having to move around because it was site-specific. I've been on shows like that. I I have, too. And if you can pull it off in a way that allows the audience to be in the environment and, and comfortable, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that's fine. But when my discomfort, when my physical discomfort overwhelms my ability to take in the show, sure. then you're wasting your time, you're wasting my time. Yeah, what show is this that you did? What's called? Uh, I didn't know. It's running right now. It's, um, it's called Roman Women. Oh, interesting. Um, it's We Players, who are a fascinating group, and they do fascinating work. But that whole outdoor element in San Francisco, the first time I saw one of those shows was at Fort Point, which is right under the Golden Gate Bridge. So that's where the fog and the wind just oh blows right across. Mm. If it's cold anywhere around here, it's going to be cold there. Oh I wonder God. if they do it because maybe it's cheap. Like, you know, well, they have a connection to the parks okay. system. Because mm. they've done a show at Alcatraz. They've yeah. done it in the Marine Headlands. Um, they've done other these other outdoor venues that are connected to the Golden Gate National Recreation yeah. A friend of mine, Erotica Rouse, she works with, uh, I think it's, I forget what Shakespeare company they do, but they do a lot of, maybe it's Marin, but they do a lot of outside theater stuff. Oh, Marin's, they have a beautiful amphitheater. Yeah. So that, and they're comfy. I I did a show there, and Mm -hmm. even on the coldest nights, when you're off stage, you can go down and get warm. Yeah. Oh, there's like a downstage area where you can like, oh, wow. Backstage, downstage, Mm -hmm. I mean, downstairs, backstage. Yeah. Um, It's you know, that's wonderful. I mean, Shell sure. Shakes does the same thing. But obviously they thought about that, but this other company, they... they this company they, doesn't have the wherewithal to sure. do that. And, uh, <laughs> like, yeah, no, miss me with those yeah. sorts of... But I feel like L.A. is similarly... So the people who do it are people who are either in some way engaged stylistically in that process, or they're just eager, hungry, and at a place in their life where they can afford 
to let this happen. And I think L.A. is the same thing. If you're not at the right place in your life, because think about all the movies that you've seen set in L.A. about people living in L.A., uh, actors living yeah. in L.A., you spend a lot of time in your car. You spend a lot of time in your car. You spend a lot of time talking to your agent, sure. talking to people, hanging out, waiting, waiting. Yeah. Waiting. Yeah, yeah. If your personal life can't support that... It can be hard. Yeah, I've never lived in L.A., but I've always had the sense that it was never really a theater town. It's more it's of a film not, town. I'm sure they do theater, but it's like, okay, I'm doing theater, but this is by my time until my agent goes. Yeah, it kind of is like that. Yeah. I mean, uh, for me, it was great because I had, like, I, I made a connection with this theater that they just basically do shows every night. Right. And so it was, and, and in addition, the guy who runs it, uh, his name is, like, Chris Baruch, he has... Um, improv classes that are free for actors. He has screenwriting classes that are free. And I mean, and it's valuable. It's valuable work time. So for me, I like looked into that and did that and that Mm -hmm. was good. But living wise, it was very difficult. I couldn't really make ends meet. Yeah. Well, how how are you enjoying things in the Bay? How long have you been in the Bay? So it'll be four years. Okay. um, In May. Yeah. And I'm, I'm liking it. I'm, I don't know. It's weird. I'm like at this weird crossroads in my life because like, Theater-wise, things have been going really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's such an expensive city to live in that yeah, I'm yeah. really kind of questioning. Are you like, in San Francisco? I am in San Francisco. Wow. I found, I managed to find, I managed to really luck out. I found, like, this small, it's like a closet, but mm-hmm. it's my own. Right. Uh, it's like, uh, you know, I've got a kitchen and a bathroom, so I'm really happy. But oh, yeah. it's expensive. and. Sure. I don't, like, you know, I don't know. I'm freaking out about, like, being 35 and, like, will I ever get married? Will I have a child? I don't know. And it's yeah. like, we've had so many people, that guess, that we've, had, <laughs> we've had so many guests talk about it. Can you grow out of it? Yeah. Life changes. Yeah. 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 No, we've talked about gentrification and how, I think we had our last guest, well, you weren't here, but uh, James Centrofani, he talked about how, he remembers theater, I guess, in the Bay Area back in the 80s and right. the late 90s and how friendly it was to yeah. actors oh where you gosh. can live yeah. and you can see free theater right. and it was sort of a bohemian atmosphere. Wow. And now with, you know, corporate, you know, the, uh, the uh, what do you call Tech it? The yeah. yeah, the techies, they sort of made things a little bit more uncomfortable, so... You know, I think that's alone. because they're uncomfortable. They're some of the most socially awkward people I've ever met. <laughs> it's like insane. Sure. Yeah. 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 They're allowing money to some of them. Yeah. Create a, a mm-hmm. filter, a screen for them between us and between us and them, between them and the rest of the environment that they actually live in. They are shielded from. Sure. And I just found this out recently um, in the mission. There's a private arcade. I saw a guy with a... a like a video arcade? No, you know, ski ball, the old... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you roll the ball, sure. it's concentric circles, yeah. to get it up in there. Yeah, yeah. He had a t-shirt with this ski ball, old-style ski ball yeah. logo on it. And I said, ski ball, that's cool. He said, oh, it's just one of the shirts from my work. Where do you work? Oh, I work at this arcade in the Mission. And it just stunned me. So I sat there for a while, the conversation kept going, and I finally had to come back to him, like... There's an arcade in the mission? Because that sounds cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he almost got embarrassed, almost, and was like, oh, well. But not for you. Yeah, but it's private. Oh, God. That's ridiculous. I know that. So gross. And then, because he's a young guy, sure. and there were some other young people, and their conversation just kept going. And I realized, oh, my God. So you people are wage slaves for the tech <laughs> industry. You are not getting the benefits. Mm. You are not those six 
you know, six figure salary people get out of them. Yeah. Uh, in fact, you're an arcade guy. Even if you're a well paid arcade guy, you're an arcade guy. <laughs> but you work in a place where the people who are making those salaries get yeah. to come and play safely yeah. in the mission. Basically, yeah, yeah, I I shilling for the rich. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And not realizing it. And I was like, okay, this. This cannot last long. We'll see how long we'll this lasts. Yeah. It's, I just find it, I mean, one of the things that I do miss about London is like, and this is one of the reasons why I'm kind of, because I pick up on that. I, you know, I was out recently with friends and I was really disappointed, um, partially with my reaction, but also um, there was, we, we were out in the, where were we? It's near UCSF Bay, Mission Bay, and there's like a eating park there. Oh, nice. It's really cool. And there was a homeless man there, but he was minding his own business and he was eating and they actually asked him to come oh, nice. and leave. And I was just oh, like... asked him to leave. They asked him to leave. Oh, I thought it was going the other direction. Yeah, I know. And I mean, I felt bad too because I was like, should I have said something? But um, it was just, it was weird. I was like, but wait a minute, this is a public area. Like, right. he should have the right to be here. I don't understand. And I, and it's yeah. starting to dawn on me just how it's like, oh, the riffraff. The riffraff. Right. And I... Right. I have, I mean, I have serious issues with that. Like, yeah. and no, I don't really know yeah. what the appropriate action should be. So maybe we can open you, that up. You know, it's, it's, it's funny. I, so I worked for the DA's office and one division that I used to work for was the quality of life program. So basically the police officers in dealing with the homeless right. would issue out these citations. Right. Which, of course, is like astronaut. It's not, it might as well be toilet paper. Yeah. Them, yeah, yeah. They're not going to pay a fine. Right. Yeah. And so they were like, well, how do we deal with the recidivists? How do we get rid of, you know, these so-called, air quotes, riffraff? And our program lasted for a year because, you know, no one wanted to, no one wants to prosecute the homeless. I mean, right. that's just yeah, a Yeah, it's ridiculous. Thing, right? It's evil. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's completely evil. So, it, but it's one of these grant programs that got shifted around. And first sure. we had it, and then the city attorney's office had it. Oh, we'll solve the issue. Right. And one thing, because basically we were taking in the homeless, we were saying, listen, we're not going to prosecute you. We're going to put you into an alternative program sure. to help you out and all that stuff. Right. We were seeing so many people, because yeah. this was around the early aughts, right, yeah. where this right. was sort of going on. And finally, we sort of got a, a word from, because I thought that it was a numbers thing. Hey, if we get more numbers, we can justify our grant. Yeah. And they were saying, no, you're sending too many people. It's just too many people. We can't handle it. You wow. need to sort of stop. And I'm like. So well, you guys can't handle it? Right. Well, that's the that's the million-dollar question. Like, do, do they think people just disappear into the air? Like, where exactly. are they supposed And to also a big well, question, why, like, are, why are there so many? I mean, we're, you know, when we have this gentrification, of course there are going to be more homeless people. A lot of people are just living paycheck by paycheck anyway. Yeah. That's what I think about, too. It's like, I mean, I've, I dabbled in some of articles about cities that have been successful and yeah. they all say the same thing is that they need housing first yeah. housing first ask questions later and yeah. i know the moralistic american doesn't want to hear that but that's the reality it's like give them housing mm -hmm. and it's amazing that when you're in an environment that you feel that you take ownership of yeah. it actually internally transforms the way you see yourself yeah. and so then you are actually become inspired to do more with your life like sure. it's this thing that happens it's another trumpian thing Ben Carson, he wants to raise the wage. He wants right. to raise the rent, rent right. for the, the Section rates. 8 housing triple. Right. So that it's no longer Section 8 and that it's just market rate? Like what? Right, exactly. And it's just, it's just evil for yeah. the sake of being evil. I would be remiss 
if I didn't talk about how wonderful <laughs> a job you did in the human ear. You were you were the lead actors along with uh, Luel Senores. It was just basically the two of you yes. on stage for the human ear. I saw it last week. I think you guys closed on uh, April the 15th. Mm-hmm. April 15th? Was that the last one? Been, yeah, that's the last one. We only ran two weeks. Yeah, two weeks. Yeah, yeah no, time. That's you know, well, that was also continue. a short run. Yes. It was a short run. But you did such an amazing job. What was your experience in doing the human ear? <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm curious. Did yeah. you play more than one character? Um, I didn't, but I, I, I did, traveled through time. Yeah. Through time. Oh, that's right. I traveled that's through time. Right. Okay. Um, I have played more than one character in the past, so I. No, I, no, no. I just I know enough about the story. Yeah, yeah, but he that so it had its own. I mean, he had his set of challenges. I had my set of challenges together. We, I love Luel. I felt like yeah. we bonded in such a way. Mm-hmm. I had a little bit of a conversation via Facebook with Luel, and we're going to have him on yeah. soon. And he talked about, well, I'm not really an actor. He said he was more of a dancer or he something like that. So I was like, hey, man. Whatever. He is an amazing He's actor. He's an amazing actor. I, lo- like, I, I told him. I was like, dude, I... I'm so, I feel honored to have been able to do this mm-hmm. with him. Yeah. And I really, I mean, I'm not, I'm sure there are other actors who could have done it, but just the way he was so, we we really took care of each other on that stage. Yeah. And it was such a good feeling to know, like, I mean, I remember we had one rehearsal where it was probably a day before we're opening or two days before we're opening mm-hmm. where he, and if, for those of you who don't know, the play is kind of crazy because Luel's character appears, and my character, he appears as my long-lost brother for 10 years. Yeah, these are two siblings who are dealing with the death of their mother under mysterious circumstances, and just you guys dealing with the closure. And the yes. separation yes. of 10 years. But yes. then throughout the play, he we like he suddenly becomes my boyfriend, and then also throughout the play, we go back and forth in time. Right. So it just gets really convoluted. And, and he becomes a cop, too. And he right? becomes a cop as well, right. so it's really convoluted. And so at this one particular rehearsal um and we're trying this we're you know going through mm-hmm. sink or swim and uh he he like jumped to the end and i was like oh crap and then so i and then i like tried to like get us back to where we had inf- we could get right. the information sure. and then he like realized that and then he like said what he needed to say but then yeah. he like managed to skip over the second part. So I yeah. it was really like we did this dance yeah. trying to figure out where we were in the script and yeah. we did it really well. Like I was like, dude, yeah, I, I love tell, you. I can tell <laughs> there's a bonding between the two of you where because things like that happen where it's right. like, oh my God, you know, you jumped or whatever. Right. But if there's a closeness, the audience won't even understand I mean won't even notice it. Right. But the bond is there if it is there. It's right. totally, and you guys we had totally it. there. And it was funny too because we were saying, you know, I have never I actually pride myself as an actress on never having issues with lines like maybe one show but i like i'm really good at like being like yeah i know what i'm gonna say and i try not to drop them and yeah this show was like oh and it was just in part of the because it's non-linear it's so non-linear and it's like things happen and you don't it's like okay well you can't connect the dots like you can and even if you do they don't necessarily make sense so um at one point Luella and I joked about reaching out to maybe, because I know this show has been done in London and also in Turkey. Yeah, wow. And so we were like, we should reach out to the actors and just say, did you also have a mind, like, cluster, as, you know, like... Let me ask you this question. 
because I, I like props and I like, you know, like furniture or whatever because, you know, like because an actor, I could sort of do things. We've right. talked about how if you have an objective, it helps to sort of have the authenticity authenticity of dialogue when you're doing other things. Sure. It's like I'm doing a dialogue, but I'm baking a uh, right. sandwich yes. or something like that. But you guys had almost nothing. We had nothing. Really? And work, how was working in the, in the space? Because Central Works, you know, they have this space, the Berkeley City Center, and it's restrictive. And you have vir- virtually no props. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It makes it even difficult difficult as actors. How yeah. was that? Uh, it was interesting. I think the key for us was just, at least the key for me, was just really to stay, it was such an internal journey for yeah. my character, and just really just staying just in focus. that, yeah. just focus in that, and um, and I almost, I didn't really miss the props, mm. honestly, like, I mean, we have an ear that should, comes out at the end, sure. which is was really creepy for me to be mm. like, oh my god, it's now on my wall, I, I mean, it's on my wall, <laughs> yes. um, but yeah, I think that that's what I did, was just really stay in the character, I mean, Lucy was going through so much mentally, sure. that, Lucy's your character, that was my character, yeah. um, that, yeah, I didn't. I didn't miss it as an actor. Yeah. yeah. Did you engage in any um, sense memory, or let's say, like I, you know, when I studied, it was about method acting and like getting as close to the character and let's say bonding and thinking about. Was it? Was there anything internal that you had to bring out of yourself to yeah, connect to Lucy? For sure. So whenever I, I do have a character, like research is the most important. Sure. And so. Um, I had a journal entry for Lucy. I had, uh, yeah, like she she had various moments when she met uh, when she met Ed, who I love. I wish Ed was real. <laughs> like, oh my god, I, I love Ed. Uh, but yeah, so I, you know, moments when she met Ed, moments when her brother got kicked out, moments when her dad died, moments when her mom died. I mean, I really tried to, like, have those moments to sure. go through sure. um, and write it as a stream of consciousness. And then um, I do do, like, sense memory in the sense of for those big moments, I always try to – and this actually comes from my singing background, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know – what was I wearing that day? What was the weather wow. like that day? What did I eat that day? Yeah. Just because I kind of feel like, you know, those, those, the more details you have, the yeah. richer it becomes. Yeah. And I also, I actually researched terrorists because Lucy's character, her mom dies in a terrorist bombing and it was oh. the 2005 oh. terrorist bombing oh, that happened in London. Yeah. I think that was the reference. Um, and so I actually... Uh, I researched that, and I was drawn to, and I cannot remember her name, unfortunately, but mm-hmm. I was drawn to a, a woman, her survivor story of being, you know, it's crazy. She was sitting next to the bomber uh, who blew up, when they blew up the trains, and she was on the subway, mm-hmm. and so, and her story of what happened. So wow. I went down that journey, which was really dark, yeah. because I wanted to be able to emotionally connect yeah. and have that that place of like this is what it felt like and you were very i mean when i saw it you were emotionally connected throughout the entire play i mean uh it's, it just seemed like you, you were just right there and i know for me sometimes it's difficult to okay this is an emotional piece mm-hmm. some days you just don't feel it some days you don't and that's why those that's why all that preparation helps yeah. because it's like it can help you get into that that point you know i, I actually get pretty nervous right before I go on mm-hmm. um, and so it's like <laughs> I'm like right before I'm like you know calming down and so being there um, you know we started off with the breath but I find that 
physicalizing it and having just knowing what it's like outside of the rehearsal space yeah. so that I have access to it, that yeah. always puts me into that space. Cool. Yeah. So what do you, what do you, going beyond here, what do you want to do? I mean, are you on the right road as an actress? Do you feel that you're on the right direction or what do you, what's the next step? For yeah. You? I mean, I really want to take this as far as I can go. Sure. I, um, I like all types of acting. Mm-hmm. I like, I, I did some commercials back when I was in London. I oh, really nice. enjoyed that. I've done like a couple of student films. Mm-hmm. I enjoy that as well. Yeah. Um, and, and I recently took a film acting class and I was like, oh yeah, like this is, <laughs> I, could do, I could get used to this. Yeah. Um, but I think that I, 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 my biggest issue is the same issue that we all face is like trying to make a living off of it. You yeah, know, right. I did this in London. I had an agent um, I had great auditions. I had some gigs, had some nice gigs, and it's hard. <laughs> sure. So uh, if anyone would like to get married to me, I am high five. No, I'm like, I, but I laugh, but it's like that's my that's what I'm putting out into the universe. It's yeah. like how can I do this, and how can I do this in a way that supports right. a life? Because, I mean, I do want to have kids. Like, that's the thing, too. And I, in my wonderful head, it all of that can work. So yeah, right. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I want to yeah, make yeah. it work. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm looking into voiceover acting as a possibility. Sure. Um, I've, I've recently, uh, I did a couple of, well, I did a gig, like, just to help my demo. Mm-hmm. So things like that that could possibly allow me to to live. I really want to mm-hmm. do this. Yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, theater doesn't always pay at certain levels. And really? so... Um, and I have a full-time job. I have two jobs now. Yeah. <laughs> so, and you're also in teaching. Yeah, I teach too. Once again, another connection between actors oh, and nice. teachers. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, I only. It's funny. Like, I like teaching, but I only got into it to pay the bills. Uh, yeah. Like that was. I had. I never taught before. What, what age did you teach? Um, I've taught all ages. So I've worked with adults all the way down to preschool. Okay. And I, my, I right now I'm working with middle schoolers and lower schoolers. Oh. That's and I mean we do we we make some fun theater. They're hilarious. They're oh, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and yeah, but I've worked in all after school programs and mm-hmm. I've run summer camps. I ran a musical theater camp last summer that re- went really well. Yeah. Um, so I, I enjoy teaching, but I also, I feel like one of the things that I want to be sure to do always is if I'm going to teach performance, I have to perform as well. Cause mm-hmm. I find that some teachers, they remove themselves so from that vulnerability. Yeah. yeah. And it doesn't serve the student and yeah. it becomes this weird weird power thing and I'm like right. no 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 we're gonna yeah stay connected and we're gonna be in this together mm-hmm. yeah so yeah I've had that before are you still doing each one reach one Norman they're doing one right now are you in each one reach one no I've heard of this though ah, it, it's, it's, it has its it has its benefits I'll, I'll say that um, writing program in Judy and they're in the middle of one right now so next weekend and in fact if I haven't already gotten an email, there may be an email asking me if I can perform. But I'm directing a piece right now, so I may not be able to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm still connected. Um, we'll see what happens. It's, it's just this Lucia Berlin mm-hmm. tour yeah. really kind of put a bunch of things on a back burner. And now I'm finding myself going, well, what things can I pull back to mm-hmm. the front burner? Yeah. And what things, you know, you find suddenly you look at something and go, wow, I used to do that. It's been four or five years. I don't do that anymore. Right. And I know people with each one, each one who have done that. Like, I, I think about, there's a woman, she has a kid now, and the kid's, God, 
it's got to be maybe around five or so. So it's been that long. Um, she used to do each one, reach one all the time. And in fact, she was one of the lead teachers. Um, and then she kind of stepped away from it. And one of our programs goes down to San Mateo, Juvie. And I'm like, you, she lives on the South Bay. I'm like, this would be perfect. That's a nice, easy commute for you. Yeah. You should do this. But, you know, if she's got enough other things going on that she doesn't need or that doesn't have room for it, I can understand. It's a, it's two weeks, you know, evenings for two weeks. Oh, wow. If you can't, and she's a mom, so making that commitment is tricky. You yeah. might save that for the next show that, you know, your next rehearsal period, rather than giving up for this little gig that, it's okay, but it's not great. Yeah, but it does, it does a lot of wonderful work, doesn't it? It's like... Well, it's great to give these young, mostly guys, but these young te- these teens voice to teach them you know, a process that allows them to tell their story and the mechanics of how to tell that story That's usefully. Beautiful. So, no, when it works, it works wonderfully. It's fantastic. I know the program that they're doing right now, I was supposed to go in and sub Thursday. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I got in touch with Dave, who's in charge of the program, to say, hey, dude, can I carpool with you? I don't want to drive to San Mateo if I don't have to. And he's like, oh, you didn't see my email. I sent an email this morning. We lost some some of the young writers a lot of the program. So we don't need extra people to come in right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, win-win, because I don't have to get off my back. But, but there's no money. But, but I understand. Nothing beats well, There's a little bit of money. Yeah. But, it, like, I, there have been times when that has definitely covered my rent. Sure. Um, but, you know, it's yeah. it's like anything else. You say, I did it because I was trying to pay the bills. Yeah. yeah. And you have to, it has to fit. Yeah. And that's the thing in theater here. If you don't have a steady job, you're always looking for that gig that you can pick up. But be done with when your next show comes. Yeah. yeah. It's funny. It's like, you know, I was actually talking to some high school actors, um, and one of the teachers was talking about his experience as an actor. And I was saying, what I always found difficult, it wasn't the rejection. Because I always felt mm-hmm. like people, you know, they're like, oh, you're going to be rejected. And it's like, okay, fine. You, I felt, I was ready for that. You can reject me. It's fine. But what I wasn't prepared for was that creative energy that I have yeah. feeling unused. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. all the jobs that I had that I had to take so that I could quickly leave, so that I could right. go to an audition or um, right. do a commercial or whatever, mm-hmm. it was like, okay, they're boring. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I feel like I'm banging my head and like I can't I can't devote my time to like writing or something. So that was really difficult for me. Like yeah. what do I do with this pent up creative energy? Yeah. It's always good to have, I always have, like, these assignments that I give myself, even yeah. if I don't have a gig, mm-hmm. like writing, like I'm working with Scott Munson, we're doing oh, an nice. adaptation of Fear and Misery in the Third Reich. Oh, wow. Uh, uh-huh. But adapting it to, I think, the Trump administration. Oh, wow. But it's a wonderful way of sharpening the proverbial blade. Right. So that when I do get the gig, yeah. I'm sharp and ready, ready. Yeah. instead of having been out of it. Yeah. yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, um, we passed the hour mark. Shout outs. <laughs> um, my big shout. What did I do with this? Oh, so yeah, I came back. I had one day, and I was in rehearsal for Playground. Um, mm-hmm. I'm holding a brochure. A festival of new works is coming up. I'm doing Scapegoat. I'm directing, um, which is a fun piece. Um, comic book writer 
finds that his black superhero is mm-hmm. suddenly relevant again. <laughs> cool. In, in ways that are positive and not so positive. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's uh, May 21st to June 17th. The Playground does a whole festival of things. So that's one of three plays, I think, that are being workshopped. Mm-hmm. Um, then there are um, the best of Playground. All the During the season, they do the 10-minute plays every month. There's an evening of 10-minute plays. And the best one gets, as voted by the audience, gets put into this festival. So mm-hmm. there's going to be a festival of those. And that's is all happening all at the same time. So that's, I'm kind of consumed with that. I know Central Works has a show that's about to open. Yeah. Oh, I, is it? Kari Moy is in it. That's right. Um, i got to figure out what the, uh, you know, I... I Posted it up beforehand. I had two other. I had two shoutouts. Oh, okay. I actually, I have three shoutouts. Uh, all three of it. <laughs> it will be on June the second. Arabian Shakespeare Festival. Uh, Radical Rao right. is involved with that. Um, they have a thing called the ASF New Works Festival. Four brand new short plays based on a classic Kuwaiti children's tale. Each cast of actors have under six hours to rehearse for the performances. This is easily ASF's. ASF's most exciting night of theater, multiple choice and chances to win prizes during the event. And that's happening on June the 2nd. Uh, then there's Wafrica, or Wafrica, by Theater First. Oh, oh, wow. At the Live Oak Theater. I know that play. Uh, Janae, our, uh, Janae Simon is uh, in that. She and I were on stage. We did a Civil War Christmas. Fantastic actress. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's happening on May the 6th, ends June the 2nd. And also June the 2nd, there's a certain uh, read-through of Four Men in Paris. Uh, June the 2nd. Yeah, June the 2nd. Books by B, uh, that's a bookstore in in Hayward, uh, 1012 B Street. I'll put a little um, blurb on that. And uh, that's uh, sort of our promotion for the play that I've written, Four Men in Paris. And we're preparing for that, that, uh, which will be produced at the Douglas Morrison Theater on June the 12th. I'm Mm -hmm. sorry. October the 12th through the 14th. Mm-hmm. And uh, go ahead and mention uh, your thing. Yeah, I've got a few. So uh, Golden Thread Players, uh, the fairy tale players, we are now casting. Nice. Uh, and if anyone has a school or an organization where they think that it would be a great fit, we basically it, it, we do shows on uh, Middle Eastern culture, and we introduce children to just the various cultures in that region. So... Golden Thread Players, Fairy Tale Players, or Golden Thread Productions, Fairy Tale Players is the name of the group. Um, and then also, uh, I am directing a show with Actors Ensemble of Berkeley. Oh, Yay! Nice. Uh, I know. Oh, so excited and like overwhelmed. Um, it's going to be. It's called the Complete Works of Shakespeare Abridged, and it'll be rerun the last two weekends of August and. The first weekend in September, it'll be at the John Hinkle Park in Berkeley. Mm-hmm. So be on the lookout for that. And then, of course, I have to promote my friend, Pao Chang Tsai, who will be here the last week of May, beginning of June, at the Palace of Fine Arts. His, his solo. show, Solo Date, is the name of his yeah. show. He is, like, he's such a great actor and such a great director, and I'm so happy yeah. to share. Nice. Go ahead. Christina Casey, um, her birthday is today. She's, um, I know her as a young actor. She's spending a lot of time being a young mom now. Happy Steve birthday. Budd. Steve Budd um, is somebody who every time I see him, I feel like, God, I've, I know you from something. And he swears that I don't. But he was, 
doing a solo show at the Marsh not too long ago. Uh, David Glover is a gentleman, an older gentleman here in, a, in uh, mm-hmm. Oakland who um, has a solo piece that I got to direct a couple mm-hmm. years ago. That was mm-hmm. very fun. Uh, Dawn Troop, okay. who is now in New York. Um, mm-hmm. I think she took a sabbatical this year and went to try her luck in New York. Her awesome. birthday is coming up. Uh, Terrence Ivory, who runs Ivory, I think it's called Ivory Arts. It's up in the North Bay. Um, his birthday's coming up. Ben Fisher, playwright, who has really been blowing up in the last few years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and that may be all of the theater ones I have. Yes. So, yes. Happy birthday. Yeah, yesterday, um, our good friend Deb Carragher, she had a birthday. Uh, Belina uh, Brown yesterday, too. Huh? Belina Brown. Um, yeah, Belina Brown. Also, um, my acting teacher, Donald Lease. I want to give a shout-out oh, to Dr. Oh. Donald Lease of Duke Elton School of the Arts. Of course. Uh, he had a, uh, he's having a birthday uh, Sunday, tomorrow. Um, on Tuesday, Joe Jordan, he uh, also graced the stage of Central Works. He did Mesmeric Revelation. I see a, p- a poster of him. That's on the lower left-hand side. <laughs> oh, God, it's it's right Mesmeric there. Revelation is fantastic. I think it was a piece written um, by Aaron Henney, mm-hmm. uh, directed by Gary Graves. No, uh, directed by Aaron Henney, too. In any case, Joe Jordan, uh, happy birthday. And Brenna Kimmerly. Uh, she's a wonderful young actress. She turns 23 on um, May the 10th. So, Brenna, I want to say a happy birthday to you. I think she may be our Fatima. We'll see. It all depends on the director. <laughs> and um, twins, Christ- twin actors, they're identical twins, twin actors, brothers, Christopher and Michael Simons. And uh, their birthday is on Thursday. They did an interesting piece. Um, it was... Um, Oh, shucks. Um, I'm looking at the Shama Shorts Cross Wires. It was a um, piece called Savage, uh, which was a uh, abstract uh, piece about uh, just, um, I don't know, just savage living. That's on the uh, upper left-hand side there. So Christopher and Michael Simons, uh, twin brothers, uh, happy birthday. And that, that is it. And this is our one-year anniversary of the A. Oh, wow. We began one year ago. And I just want to thank everybody for, I think we've had at least 800 or 900 downloads. Uh, so I just want to thank everyone who has been listening to the A, and we're going to grow, and I'm going to get on my off my butt and you know, actually create a web page for us and get a Twitter feed and all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. But um, did you have a good time? Christine? I did. Thank you so much for having me. This has been such a fun time. Yeah, yes, yeah, fantastic. So let me give you my blurb. Um, you can find the Yay on the Apple Podcast app on all iPhones and iPads. You can also find the Yay on iTunes. Just click on iTunes, click on store. Don't worry, you're not going to buy anything. Use the search engine on the upper right-hand side and search for the Yay, and you can find us. For Android users, download the SoundCloud app and search for the Yay. The Yay was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise, or if you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Hit us up on Facebook, and we'll take it from there. And we got to find a better sign-off. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> and we are out. <laughs>